Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. You can now sign up to be a friend of The Great Indoors by subscribing to our members club, The Insiders. You'll not only be supporting the podcast, but enjoying ad-free listening, receiving juicy bonus content, as well as the opportunity to be the first in on any live ticketed events. So come on over. You know you want to. Just sign up at thegreatindoorspodcast.com. That's thegreatindoorspodcast.com. Before we get started on today's show, it's with a rather bittersweet feeling that I share the news that our trip to Italy is fully booked. It's sold out in record time. And while this is amazing news and just gives us the warmest, fluffiest feeling that so many of you wanted to take up this opportunity and hang out with us, it also means that for a lot of you, you missed out this time. Which just means we'll have to do it again. Well, yes. (laughs) But in the meantime, rest assured that we are also looking into booking some events closer to home within the UK. Watch this space and for our insiders, keep your eyes peeled out for those newsletters. Now let's crack on with the show. Anyone who follows me on my Instagram account will know that I am knee deep in kitchen renovation. So today, drum roll, is kitchen installation day. (laughs) Anyone who knows me will know that I have just waved goodbye to the builders, although they are back for a bit of painting. But (laughs) the big stuff is in theory done. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to take a deep dive into all things kitchen design. As I'm moving from, well, a very small one into a large one. And I sold my very large one and moved into a much smaller one. But what we both have in common is that we haven't done any major building work. We are both rethinking the space we already have rather than extending or moving walls of our existing houses. Although what we have both done is change small windows into larger ones or even convert them into doors. Oh, I know it's amazing. The light, finally. Now we have both talked about our plans, so no need to go over all that detail. But in a nutshell, to anyone who has recently tuned in, I am turning my big living room into a kitchen diner. It measures around five by seven metres and has an open fireplace in it. While Kate has moved house and has now got a long, narrow kitchen. Hers is around five metres by three metres with a narrow utility room on the back. Now, my challenge has been to create a workable open plan kitchen dining space in, you know, quite a generous sized room. And mine lay in uniting two narrower rooms and making sure they didn't look like a long, thin tunnel. So... Where do we start? Well, it's always the floor plan, isn't it? It's always the floor plan. Did you do a floor plan for yours when you moved in? Oh, I did a hundred floor plans. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I say that. I did a floor plan because we had two mismatching small windows on one side, which I knew I wanted to convert into French doors to get into the side return, classic Victorian. The, The floor plan was really, I'm going to have the kitchen all down one long wall. So I've gone for that linear long kitchen there wasn't a million things we could do you know a kitchen cupboard 600 mil deep 60 centimeters how many cupboards can I fit in the space I've got so my kitchen is as I say five meters long and then the utility room rebranded as a pantry is a further three meters so I had eight meters in total with a wall between them into which the most difficult complicated thing was putting an internal window something I have long dreamt of yes that's a nice idea but let me help 
everybody visualise this. So you walk down into a long... It's not quite a galley kitchen. I mean, it's three metres. It's just because the effect is effectively eight metres by three, it has the potential. And you have changed the layout, haven't you? Because when you bought the house, there were units on both sides, but you've just kept them on the right-hand side to free up room on the left for some lovely French doors. Is that correct? For some French doors and a round table. We've gone for a round pedestal table. I mean, and I don't know whether this comes into layout or floor plan, but I'm going to say it now. There is often an issue in in small rooms particularly. By the time you've got, you know, a four-legged table and a set of four-legged chairs, Mm. there's a lot going on there. Um, There's a lot of legs. That's a lot of legs. What Aero Saarinen, the designer, called a slum of legs. So (laughs) we were looking to have a bonquette around the corner. And then for various reasons, we decided against that. We got some old vintage mid-century modern wooden chairs. I wanted a bit of old wood in there. So we've looked for a pedestal table and that automatically reduces the amount of legs going on and just makes it Were look Were you cleaner. not tempted to bonquette the corner? Well, the mad husband's quite anti the bonquette in terms of comfort. Right. And I just wasn't sure that I wanted, you know, a velvet bonquette. I like my chairs. I like you know, I like being in control of where I'm sitting and not having to shuffle past a bunch of people to get They're in. They're quite and out. Victorian. I, I, I mean, I have a bonquette in my small corner of my old, soon to be old kitchen. And actually, most people squabble to sit on the bonquette. It's always a place that people well, want to go, go first. So just because you've got your back to the wall. So, floor plan, mine was very simple. It was a long line. So, in the main part of the kitchen, obviously, I wanted, if not a triangle, but I've got dishwasher, sink, oven, fridge. And then beyond that, in the pantry part, I've got an undercounter freezer and the washing machine. And we went, I'll just explain that for anybody who's thinking about space. We went for a tall, thin, I think it's called a larder or column fridge in the main part of the kitchen and a smaller undercounter freezer further away because we don't use the freezer that much. Undercounter was plenty big enough for us and we wanted more fridge space. Do you know that's really interesting because I've done exactly the same. Uh, no more big American fridge. Well, I didn't go for an American fridge because of the layout of my kitchen. So when you walk into this new kitchen, the first thing you see is a bank of tall units on the opposite wall which is going to have a large unit in the fridge in so I wanted them all integrated I didn't want people to walk into the kitchen and the view was just like a huge stainless steel even though they are super lush to use I do like the practicality of those big American fridges because you can get so much stuff in there (laughs) but it means that I've done a tall fridge and then an undercounter freezer same as you. Oh, interesting. But I have thoughts on this. Okay, come on, let's hear them. As ever, we're getting diverted, but my thoughts are we had a big American style fridge, which as, you know, long-term listeners and readers of the blog will know, I wrapped in vinyl because I didn't want that big hulk of stainless steel kind of glaring out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a sort of fashion in kitchens at the moment for the for the sort of what we call the unkitcheny kitchen, and that is making it look more like part of the room. Now, integrated units can be more expensive and that's obviously not within everybody's budget but wrapping my vinyl fridge cost me 200 quid I think and it just meant it was less kind of shiny and metal so it was silver it was silvery stainless steel and you turned it into like a soft cream off white soft cream it's nice but the other thing I think 
about the American style fridge and maybe this is just us I don't know but when you have all that space you fill it and they're quite deep and it seems to me that the top shelf of the American style fridge is full of loads of old sauce and <laughs> jars and germ and it's where the jars go to die oh. and I do think that if you have a smaller fridge oh. you are a bit more disciplined perhaps about using leftovers or not opening things that you don't need not buying things you don't need so we we are going for that and and a smaller freezer because also we need a freezer for you know fish fingers and ice and peas not really much more than that I mean other people are much better at batch cooking if you're a batch cooker you need freezer space we are not good at that so we've deliberately decided that a smaller freezer would be plenty for us yeah so it's really getting down to how you live and prioritizing things isn't it because when I worked with my kitchen designer at Magna originally they put in a really big fridge and a really big freezer they were both the same size and exactly Exactly the same. It's like I had to question whether I'd actually like to use that space for something else other than frozen food. Because again, I'm not a massive batch cooker. And also for me, I have an opportunity to have a freezer in another part of the house. Sometimes people have them in their garages, don't they? Yeah. I'm going to put one in the utility room for that time when we need that overflow. So I think it's, yeah, even when you're doing your floor plan, you've got to really think how you live. And if you're working with a kitchen designer... Don't be afraid to direct and challenge things that they might automatically put in your kitchen for you. I think and also, you know, we come, you see adverts for kitchens on the telly and so on. And they always sort of follow a formula and it's, you know, you must have the biggest fridge you can. And and I think it's really important to to ask yourself those questions. And, and we've spoken about those questions before. Before you start anything, you need to ha- have a word with yourself. And, and, you know, who are you in the kitchen do you cook a lot? Do you batch cook? Do you actually more of a microwave heat up a ready meal? Do you have to regularly feed loads of children and their mates? Is it just you and a partner, you and the cat? You know, be realistic about what you are doing in there. And then when you're doing it, you know, if you've got two, three children or flatmates that all need to leave the house at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, then you need to look at your floor plan and decide the flow. You know, is there going to be a log jam by the fridge, by the toaster? Can you arrange things so that people can move through that space conveniently? Or is it actually just you floating downstairs at 10 o'clock in the morning to make a piece of toast? In which case, you can do your layout differently. So you really need to work out before you start who's in there, what they're doing and when they're doing it. Those are the sort of three basic questions. Yeah, I had quite funny pushback from Jen, my kitchen designer, because I just kept saying, I need more storage. I need more storage. Can you get any more cupboards in anywhere? And she eventually said, how many people in your family? And I was like, oh, please, only three of us. But for me, I do loads of entertaining. So I'm just thinking of those really busy times in the summer where I have loads of people around for lunch or always host Christmas. And then I'm also someone who likes to collect bowls and china and napkins and tablecloths and things because I do different looks, don't I? Of course I do. So I've kind of got my blue set of china that I've collected over the years and then I've just recently bought some red china. So I don't just have like one set. So in my mind, I was thinking... At the moment, all these things are stored in different parts of the house. I've got some in my office. I've got some in the kitchen. I've got some in the conservatory. I wanted just to bring it all together and have one place where I can put all my glasses 
and all my china. So it is a bit mad. I'm ending up with a massive kitchen for quite rightly just the three of us, but it is the way we live. And because I'm sort of the hub of bringing my family and friends together, it means that I kind of need quite a big kitchen. Yeah, and that's really key. You know, it is all about how you live and, you know, never apologise for how you live and how you entertain and what you need. One of the things that I think perhaps can get overlooked, and we've just come across this, which is, you know, now putting everything back in the kitchen from a bigger kitchen into a smaller one. And there are things that, you know, you must remember to factor in. And that is the the string cupboard. I'm going to call it the string cupboard. But you might have a utility room, you might have a garage, you might have other space, but you need to make sure that you have got space to store the light bulbs, the string, the vases, all that stuff, which if you do not have a garage, if you live in a flat, where's it going to go? Because you can't, although I have been tempted, just chuck it all out. You've got to find somewhere to store it. And, you know, I don't know about you, but it doesn't matter which light bulb goes in which part of the house at what time. I do not have the correct replacement. There are so many different light bulbs around now. We're all very accustomed to your light bulb fetish, Kate. Yeah, well, you know, you've got to have a lot to storage. (laughs) And the other thing, which these days takes up much more space, is the bins. You know, gone are the days where you could have Mm. just one bin under the sink and that was it. You know, you've got to have the food bin, the household rubbish bin, the recycling bin. They've all got to have storage. Now, I... Do not, this is my personal thing that I've asked myself the question and I'm at peace with my answer. I do not like a big freestanding bin. It takes up floor space. I don't want it. We have a very small bin under our kitchen sink. I've just bought new bin bags for it, so I know this. It's about 10 or 12 litres. Ah, that's a tiny bin. That's yeah. like a bedside table. It's a carrier bag. It's a carrier bag bin. That's but you a know tiny why? Bin. Because that's not the recycling. It's And you'd, we find we don't generate that much rubbish. And I prefer to have a very small bin and empty it every day. I don't want rubbish in, in my house. house. So yeah, okay. it's a deliberate choice to have a very small bin and not have one that, you know, is taking up space, particularly yeah. in the summer. I've got a 40 or, litre. You see, mm, yeah. And how often do you empty it? Once a week? Does it smell? It doesn't smell, but no, probably, yeah. But I have to say, I do love my bin drawer. So I've got an integrated bin drawer. This is in the old kitchen. It's half and half, so half bin, half recycling. And then it sort of just comes, oh. See, it's little things like that make me so happy. And that's the first time I've had an integrated bin. I always had freestanding bins up until that point. Well, that's the interesting thing I think you perhaps get with a kitchen designer because they are, well, clearly they're trying to sell you things. They're trying to sell you their design, but they will also be across, you know, different ideas and different ways of making storage so you know do you want an integrated bin do you want a freestanding bin have you thought about the recycling so you know those are ideas that you might not have thought about and that they will give you all that so all that's got to go into your floor plan you know we are a long way off talking about color I am looking at a script list of things we've got to get through here and the color the color people we are way off but so you've got your like you are you having a triangle well everything's a triangle I don't I don't really bother with the triangle I sort of tend to just make sure that things I need are next to one another so I really like to have the dishwasher next to where I keep all the china and the cutlery so when you're unloading it 
it goes into the cupboard. But next do you not have it next to the sink? On the dishwasher's next to the sink. But that's also for plumbing reasons. So quite often where your wastewater and your water come in, you kind of just want the sink and the dishwasher next to one another. And then I want my lard unit that has all the condiments and the herbs and the oils next to the oven. So I've kind of thought about how I use the kitchen and just made sure certain bits are next to certain bits. And the fridge is in the middle of everything. And that's also the other key point. Once you've asked those questions, who, what, when, where, etc., you really need to to try and visualise yourself in the space. So take a moment to just sort of close your eyes and imagine getting up in the morning and making your cup of tea or coffee, making your toast, where's the fridge, you know, is is there another person coming There's in? There's little rituals, isn't it? You need to think about it and, and, you know, imagine yourself cooking dinner. Can you reach the serving spoon? Where are you chopping the onion? Can you reach the olive oil? I'm now, you can't yes, see. Yes, doing a little, 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 little workout on, happening. On the video, I'm reaching <laughs> for everything. But it's really important, you know, and can you also, someone said this to me ages ago when I was designing the last kitchen, what is the passage like from the eating table, the dining table, to the dishwasher? You know, have you got enough space to get past with what might be a precarious pile of plates? Can you do that comfortably? Do you need to tweak things so that you can clear the table to the dishwasher easily? We had, now two kitchens ago, we had a dishwasher and a bin, but the cupboards had been arranged in such a way that if you had the dishwasher open, you couldn't access the bin, which was in a cupboard. So you had to really think logically about, well, I'm going to, you know, open this door to put all the plate scrapings in the bin and then close that door and get to the dishwasher. You have to think yourself into the space. Mm, Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's really, really key. So we we spoke at the beginning, we've both changed small windows, mismatching windows into, into doors. So I have French doors. Sophie, you have, I mean, you know, in a in a sort of country cottage, you had surprisingly small windows. So you've changed those as well. Mm, oh you? my God, Kate, it's made such a difference. All the windows in our house are really high sills. I mean, I joke, but Arthur couldn't actually see out of any of the windows when we moved in. He was five years old and he, couldn't, he was shorter than all the window sills. So finally, we've knocked out the small high sealed window and we've got three metre wide, 2.2 metre tall, crittle style aluminium doors in our to be new kitchen dining room. And it's just such a massive game changer because for us, it's all about connecting our kitchen space to our garden. Because again, being in the countryside, it's all about entertaining outdoors in the summer and we used to have to do this really long walk from our tiny kitchen at one end of the house down to the south facing end of the house which is where we like to be so I'm really excited that it's going to be kitchen throw open these doors and then the barbecue or the garden table is just there so yeah my floor plan for my kitchen doesn't end indoors it also involves thinking of the outdoor space too you see I went the other way we have converted as I say these two smaller mismatching windows into a set of French doors and I wish I could say I was going to throw them open and look on a view Um, I'm throwing them open onto the side return which is about a meter wide and, and it's a fence but you know it will eventually be a very pretty fence with things growing up it but we did that 
very specifically for the light. Mm. In our last kitchen, we were able to put a massive skylight above the the kitchen part of the room, if you like. And I think we got very spoiled by how light it was. We're unable to do that because obviously in this kitchen, there's a room above it and we're not extending. So it is a darker room, but the French doors do bring in a bit more light. The internal window, there's a glass door through to the pantry that sucks in a bit more light and we've changed the back door to be much more glass. So we've tried to sort of draw in as much light as we can, albeit through walls rather than overhead lighting. But it's not, as I say, it's not for throwing it open to <laughs> contemplate my acres of green garden. It's, um, you know, concreting a, um, contemplating a small piece of concrete. But, you know, it's, it's a lighter piece of concrete and I can see it better. Well, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because the way we live now, we spend so much time in our kitchens, especially if the dining table's in there too. And this was kind of the problem with my old existing kitchen is it just was so dark so I think bearing in mind again thinking about when you use this space it's usually a daytime space isn't it kitchens so if you can increase the amount of light in there um, while you're doing your layout it's a good time to think about it actually on that note underfloor heating just want to throw it in there if you have an opportunity to consider changing how you heat the room so for example we already had underfloor heating we'd already put it in so the living room had underfloor heating but actually with the with the kitchen units going in and these big windows going in there wouldn't actually be anywhere for a radiator we haven't really got any walls left so again it's worth thinking especially if you've got a small kitchen as well consider this as an opportunity to put in underfloor heating so you don't have to worry about radiators we've put in underfloor heating in the pantry and shower room at the back because that was a smaller area and we thought it'd be more affordable and i gotta say the cat's loving that but in the <laughs> In the main part of the kitchen, we had a conversation, and you will correct me on this, but as I understood it very broadly, the wet system of underfloor heating is is really quite expensive, much more expensive to put in, much more disruptive, but cheaper to run. The electric form of underfloor heating is quick, easy, cheap to put in, more expensive to run. And over a big area, that can make quite a difference. So we kept the underfloor heating small at the back and we've got a very big radiator because we had a spare bit of wall, essentially. It's an angled wall, couldn't do anything else with it. Stick, Stick a, a radiator, radiator on it. it. That'll do. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, underfloor heating is, is, is worth considering. Yeah, I think when you're doing any building works like that, it's just a good opportunity to question other elements isn't it in your space windows flooring so with underfloor heating I think I'm right one of the reasons you have changed your flooring was that you had wood over the top of your underfloor heating and you found it wasn't super efficient no it's really disappointing we had a really nice um oak engineered board floor in our living room but it never really kicked in and we used to rely on the wood burner quite a lot probably as well because we weren't using the living room all day so we'd only ever want to warm up the living room in the evening and underfloor heating likes a bit of a slow trickle but what I found is in other parts of the house like the kitchen and the hallway that are tiled you put the underfloor heating on and it warms up really fast and you feel the, the the room get warm quickly whereas underneath our engineered wood floor it would just take ages and it's you know with the cost of energy at the moment I just 
don't want to have a heating system that isn't the most efficient it can be and obviously wood is thermal so that's why it doesn't allow the heat to travel through quite as quickly as a tiled floor so we made the quite painful decision to get rid of our wood floor and I'm putting well this is quite an interesting topic I'm putting down a porcelain limestone I'm faking it. It's really interesting. I agonise. I've always been a one for a real stone floor. Got real terracotta in the old kitchen. I've got real encaustic cement tiles in the hallway. And then I was just about to order the real limestone. I thought, oh, hold on a minute. I want ease. I want low maintenance. (laughs) And I've already got two floors that require a little bit of TLC and resealing every few years. This is a big space. And I got in loads of samples. I got about 12 different flooring samples in Cape, um, real limestone samples and porcelain samples. And you couldn't tell the difference. And so I've gone for it. That's really interesting because I was desperate having had painted wooden floorboards in the last house. They were original floorboards. They were cracking. They they basically needed replacing. I really fantasised about a stone terracotta floor And that's what we've had. But again, word to the budget. The real stone tiles, they need sealing a couple of times after you've laid them, before you grout them. Mine took six to ten seals, my terracotta tiles. They were thirsty. Yeah, well, we haven't done that many. Ours took two to three. Then you grout them. Then the grout has to go all over the top because the surface is uneven. So then you've got to kind of clean the grout off. There are various solutions you can use to kind of scrub out the extra grout or you can just get down there with a with a Brillo pad. So that's another, you know, day or two's work, depending on your space and whether you're doing it or you're paying your builders to do it. You've done the grouting and then you've got to seal it again a couple of times and let it dry overnight each time. And then you can start thinking about using a mop or a hoover. But once you're mopping it every week, as you say, you will have to reseal it. So we reached the point where we're basically now a house of grown ups. That's not to say that the mad husband hasn't twice thrown roast potatoes on the unsealed terracotta floor, but it's all adding to the patina. The patina (laughs) is, is what we're going with. I don't want to hear another word. But if you are in a house where you really mind about how the appearance of your floor and you have small children, muddy pets, animals, whatever, you might want to look at a porcelain flooring, which is just, it's all sealed, it's easy, you can mop it clean. So do be aware of, you know, it's not even necessarily the budget. This is this is the how you live question that you need to really look at. Yeah, and I think, you know, because basically a porcelain tile, it's a printed pattern on top. That's what it is. It's a photographic print of the real thing onto the porcelain base. And it's a lot more heat resistant. It's also something I can use in the hearth of the fireplace if I want to, whereas real limestone I can't. And it isn't going to stain and it isn't going to need resealing. And I'm just really impressed, I think, how the technology must have really come on with the effects of this faux porcelain so I've got mine from fired earth they do both they sell a lot of real limestone they sell a lot of porcelain limestone I'm really impressed I don't I I challenge you to see the difference oh I'll be round (laughs) I'll be round with my telescope telescope magnifying glass the one other thing I, I want to say just about kitchens and flooring is that you don't have to have the same flooring throughout oh sharp intake of breath what well 
I've got a small kitchen, so I have gone for the same flooring throughout because I want that continuity. But if you have, like you have, a kitchen with an island, which has got a very clear kitchen zone, and then you've got a big sort of dining living space, you could have tiles in the kitchen bit and then segue out to flooring, which you might think is warmer or more dining room like, you know, a bit less utilitarian than tiles. You know, or you can put rugs now. I see seeing a lot of sizal and jute rugs. Yeah, all these washable, ruggable rugs. They, that's quite fun, isn't it? Yeah. So again, have a think. You don't, it doesn't have to be the same throughout unless you want it to. So flooring done, layout done, questions asked. We've talked about natural light with windows and doors. Oh, the sticky bit of the electrical lighting. Yes. That is, um, I was going to say a rude word then. It's a head, it's, it's, it's head-blowingly, can be tricky, lighting in kitchens. Oh, it's kind of like my favourite bit. I love it. Is it? Yeah, I do. Oh. I do, because I think it's, it's not just as simple as sticking up some spotlights in a grid. You can get really nerdy with it. I kind of get really into it. So that's my first headline, don't put a grid of spotlights in. Yes, your kitchen will be light and bright, but it'll be completely devoid of any atmosphere. So again, it's just back to the rules of lighting, isn't it? Highlight the places where you need the light to highlight. So for example, over the island, over the worktop. And you can do this in three different ways. You can have pendants. There's a real trend, isn't there, for tiny little dainty sort of glass shaded or tin shaded pendants hung in a row. Pretty. Over a work- yeah, pretty. Hung over a worktop or island. You can have wall lights. can work really nicely with the uh, spots pointed down to your worktop. Or, of course, you can use recessed downlighters. I am doing that. But put them where you need the light. So I've got a strip of three downlighters down the length of my base cabinets. I'm going to stop you there. We all know that base cabinets, as we said at the top, are 60 centimetres deep. Mm. The key is getting those lights, whether they're spots, whether they're wall lights, whatever they're going to be, sticking out far enough from the wall that you can see what you're doing. You're not standing in your own shadow and you're not creating shadow from any shelves or cupboards overhead. Yeah, you don't want your spots behind you. That's the number one thing. Otherwise, you'll be chopping like you say, in the dark, in your shadow. I've gone for 45 centimetres out from the wall over a 60 centimetre worktop. And that means the light falls, essentially, if I'm standing at the worktop, the light is falling on my hands, not on my head. So there's no shadow. The other good thing to do, which I've done in the old kitchen, is put strip lighting under my floating shelves, or indeed you can put strip lighting under your wall units. That is a brilliant way to just get the worktop awash with nice clean light, So when you're preparing meals, you can absolutely see what you're doing. Our shelves came with grooves ready in for LED tape so we could have that. And I just didn't want it. Our kitchen, we've gone quite retro and I didn't want to have that light there. We've stayed within the rules of putting the lighting in the place you want it. So we've got a row of lights over the worktop, 45 centimetres out. I've then put another ceiling light sort of 30 centimetres out in the middle of the room to light a picture on the wall. I've got some in front of the French doors to wash light down that. And I've gone for two pendant lights over my table, over the middle of my round table. I've got two hung at different heights to create lots of different interest. What we have done, rather than having recessed down lighters, we have got the trunking laid on the ceiling. 
Very industrial. slightly retro, yeah, we've got retro sort of ceramic lights. My builders called them egg cups, hanging down off that. And that was a decision which initially the, the electrician said, oh, yeah, brilliant, I can just lay the trunking all along the ceiling. It'll be much, much cheaper. Turns out it wasn't because he hadn't laid lots of trunking before, so it took a bit longer. But we've got very much that retro look which goes with the kind of terracotta retro floor It's all a bit more old-fashioned, it's all a look, but we have the same effect of the lighting. And crucially, and I know you're going to get into this with your different sorts of lighting, wall pendant spotlights, we've got three different circuits in that room. Okay, what what are your circuits? Go on, hit me up. So you'll say it's probably not enough now. We've got one switch, which is just the lights over the long linear kitchen. We've got a second light, which is three lights, which are sort of over the picture, over the French doors, more in the middle of the room. So the first one is your task lighting, isn't it, for your worktop? Your second one, is that just sort of filling in all the gaps? It's filling in all the gaps, but bearing in mind, these are these are small lights in picture egg cups with little globe bulbs on them. A soft overall lighting. It's a lighting. soft ambient okay. light, so the whole room is being lit. So that's the second circuit. And the third circuit is the pendant lights over the table. So we can have it all on, we can have just the kitchen task lights we can have just the table lights which because that's our dining space as well when we're eating we might just have the pendant lights on over the table I would say to cast the rest of the room into shadow it's not a big enough room to cast the rest of the room into shadow but we can pretend that we're not looking at the washing up and pots and pans room's not quite big enough to hide it but very much three different circuits we haven't done dimmers we've just gone for lots of different lights dimmers Kate. Well, I think a dimmer, if you're having more traditional recessed spotlights, is very key because that light is very directional and quite harsh. We've got a softer, more ambient light throughout the whole room. So it's really, you can have this bit on, but we didn't. You can have this bit on or you can have that bit on. And I don't think you needed dimmers. Mm. Okay, so you want to know what I've got? Uh, You've got dimmers, you've got walls, you've got spots. Sophie's got every kind of lighting known to man. It is a big room, but... Yeah, so I've got four circuits. Arguably, I don't think I needed four, but I had four, the living room had four, so they were kind of already there. So I thought, right, I'll make the most of it. So I've got my task lighting, which is spots over all the worktops. That's the first one. Then my second lighting circuit is lamps. So I'm going to have a lamp on the island because I've got a three metre long island. I've really gone for it. Well, that's big. So I've got a yeah. lamp on the island, a lamp on the worktop a floor lamp in one corner and a table lamp on the drinks cabinet. Oh, and a wall light as well, all on that circuit. So that's the sort of soft ambient lighting. Then I've got what I call the sort of floor light. So if you can imagine, if I ever needed to light up the whole room, maybe we're having like a drinks party, loads of people around, you want the whole room lit, then I've got strategic spots to light the floor in various spaces. So the fourth one is the pendants, two little pendants over the dining table and one pendant over the island. Oh, only one over the island, even though it's three yeah. metres long. Offset, offset. Mm, get yeah, you. It's a bit asymmetrical. I know the electrician, it really, oh, I love it. Electricians really can't handle it. When no, no. start messing with the symmetry. So interesting, we, let's get into this island thing, because I okay, do believe we, we ran a feature mm. saying that the island was dead. And, and here you go with your island. But we'll, we'll mm. move over from that, because everybody has different requirements. And I do think yes. if you've got a really big kitchen, you're going to need to fill it with something. So it might as well yes. be an island. So the the big sort of debate, I think, often with islands is what you're going to put on it. So are you going to have just 
a massive workspace with nothing in it or maybe a, an oven under it, do you have the hob on it? Do you have the washing up on it? Now, in our last house, we went for the hob on the island so that we could hide the washing up, as it were. And if you were cooking, you could stand cooking and you had guests standing around the island. And that felt to us the best decision, rather than having a sink in the island where you might be having a conversation over a glass of wine and a dirty pasta bowl. So what mm, have you done? Because you've got yes, so much I space. I never thought of that. I never thought of the sink in the island. You're just paying homage to the dirty... Yes, up all the time, aren't you? Yeah. Such a good point. That's such a good point. So we didn't put the sink in the island for logistical reasons because we'd already got our underfloor heating in place. You can't then start doing oh, yes, it plumbing plumbing in, but we can get the electrics to it for a hob. So I've got a uh, induction hob. Oh, this is a nice nerdy detail that Magnet put in that I thought. Oh, I love this. My induction hob is going to be completely flush with the surface of the worktop. Do you think that's nice? Yeah. Oh, geeking out on the details, quite enjoying that. Okay, so this was the big conversation, to have bar stools or not to have bar stools. I think we both said earlier in the year that neither of us like a bar stool. Nobody looks elegant perched on a bar stool. But I think people congregate round that middle bit. So I think you need a stool. Well, we are. Yeah. So we are. We're having, we're having enough for two or three stools. And my husband, that was an absolutely, that was his thing. He wanted really, that. Really, yeah, he really wanted stools at the island. So, yeah, three metre long island with stools. Who even am I? But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to, after not having a kitchen that was very sociable, because, well, people would cram in there, but you were forever going, oh, excuse me, because you could never yeah. open any of the cupboards or drawers because it's always full of people. Somebody was always standing in the wrong place constantly. So it's going to be really nice to have a kitchen where people can sit at the bar stools, can stand at the island and not be in the way of whoever's cooking. The other thing that's quite nice, and and talking just from a living point of view rather than an entertaining point of view, and we discovered this very much when we had the island in the last place, was that, you know, the, the children would have breakfast at the island in the morning, but they would come home from school and have their tea at the table. You know, sometimes you would perch mm. at the island just to do a few emails, but you might then go and sit at the table if you were doing a longer bit of work. So it... it it, it does create different zones within the room and give you different places to be, which if you're in a smaller house actually can be really key. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So Tom's wish list with the bar stools, that was out of everything in our kitchen. That was the one thing that was non-negotiable for him. Do you know what I'm getting? My little treat. Getting a pantry cupboard, Kate. Oh, <laughs> those are very fashionable. They're very fashionable. They're feeling very grown up that I'm getting a pantry cupboard. And they are a bit of, a, feels like it was a bit of a tick, box ticking exercise where I thought, okay, if we're going for the ultimate dream kitchen here, which for me, this is a long time coming. I've had so many crappy kitchens over mm. the years that I'm having the pantry cupboard. That was my thing. Exciting. Can't wait to see it. Now, now, people, we have been through layout. We have been through lighting. We've talked about natural lighting and electric lighting. We've talked about to island or not to island. And now we are going to get into the colour. <laughs> and this is important, the colour, because 
obviously you should have the color you want but the one thing that i think is really important is that so many people have white kitchens or gray kitchens or very sensible colors because and i get it it's a really big expense but if you don't have any white or gray elsewhere in your house then it's not going to join in and i always remember katie woods from come down to the woods speaking about this she's now moved house but in her last house she spoke several times about how she'd gone for a very sensible, I think it was grey cupboards, pale grey and a sort of borderline white-ish worktop. And the rest of her house was full of the sort of jewel box colours of, you know, green and blue and wood and velvet and plants. And she always said, you know, it just, it doesn't fit. And I wish I'd been a bit braver with colour. And I think it's really important. You know what colours you like. There's no reason why you can't have a colour you love on your kitchen cupboards. And I think cue Sophie, because I think you've got all the colours. Yes. Well, obviously, <laughs> you don't even need to come to me to tell you that everybody should have colourful kitchens because everyone should have more colour in their life. And my argument has always been, this is possibly the biggest investment you're going to make in your home. Out of all the rooms you get to design, this is the expensive one. And I think for that reason, lots of people play it spe- safe with the beige or the taupe or the grey and I'm like why why not have your heart's desire and something you really really enjoy well I spoke to Magna on this because I was interested you know if they sell a lot of kitchens I was interested to see what colours people are buying do you want to know do you want to know what the most popular no I don't want to know don't tell me <laughs> <laughs> so they said midnight has done really well for them, which is a very, very dark blue. We've seen lots of nice dark blue kitchens, haven't we? Yeah, it's really great in a kitchen, that. Lovely with a wooden floor or a wooden worktop. But they've also said that they are being asked for bolder, brighter marine shades so we can see a brighter, richer, I think it's probably like a warmer blue, right? Interesting. Coming through. Um, so they are excited to bring more saturated and playful colour statements to the range. <laughs> That's really exciting. They say for quite some time, grey dominated. Of course, yeah. But they said that their customers really are embracing colour. They really are moving towards making more personal choices and not just going with what their neighbours or next door did. So that's really interesting. People really expressing their individuality with their kitchen choices. Well, and also, you know, particularly as you made the point earlier, you know, we spend a lot of time in our kitchens. You've got a very big or will have a very big open plan kitchen diner. So, you know, it's a room you're going to be in. You need it to to look like it's your kitchen, like it belongs in your house. You know, I think if you've got a tiny Mm. kitchen that you're never in and it's, you know, at the back of the house and you go in there just to make toast and come out, then maybe you can have it all white. Although why not pick a colour you love to give you joy when you're in there? But it is about making it look like it's going to join up with the sitting room or the bedroom or the hallway. You know, it's, it's part of your house. It's part of your overall scheme. And there is absolutely nothing wrong in fact it's to be encouraged that you pick the colors that you love to live with yeah a hundred percent absolutely singing for my hymn sheet uh they go on to say that green has also been a really popular green's color. been huge on instagram it has. yeah i think it's going to continue i think it's going to overtake the blues that's my personal uh thing they said ranging from an airy aqua color to more saturated olive uh greens and then of course those delicious dark forest tones which I had in my old kitchen. And we discussed olive a lot, actually. We were really toing and froing with olive. And in the end, the reason I didn't was because we'd had a terracotta floor. 
And I just, I was kind of thinking this could segue to orange and green, but I do love olive green for kitchens. Well, let's get on to our personal choices because this is the next thing Magnet had to say. They said, in terms of future trends, lots of warmth is coming through too. Peach, terracotta, even a very rich brown. Oh, hello. I painted my kitchen brown in about 2015. I cannot believe. Now I've sold the house and I think they've ripped the kitchen out. Now oh. it's the chocolate brown. I feel quietly devastated by that. <laughs> well, they're saying, you know, this obviously moves towards the neutral palette as well. But they're saying it doesn't have to be boring and it can be really effective to build up that layered tonal look mm, well so you've gone quite tonal with your choices i'm always you? tonal a... i'm always tonal. Uh, yes of course so we yes. have got this terracotta floor we have then got pale pink base units and we have a sort of scarlet rust it's actually called scarlet and rust by paint and paper library on the boiler cupboard and the fridge larder which are tall and thin and the overhead shelves so we're all about those shades of kind of terracotta red pink it's very warm and we've got smoked glass pendant lights over the table oh yeah it does sound lovely do you want to know what colors i'm going for oh go on surprise me well what was really lovely for me is whenever i'm given lots of choice you know i can never choose can i so i've actually got three colors going into my new kitchen and i suppose they they're not tonal they're more harmonious so they sit next to one another in the color wheel they are sort of yellow red and pink so you can kind of see they all yeah. sit next to one another don't they so I haven't gone for high contrast I did con- I did play with lots of different options I thought of having the reds and pinks with the green or the reds and pinks with the blue they all looked really great you weren't tempted to go yellow and cobalt blue which is your kind of signature colors yeah I'm getting the cobalt blue in elsewhere but it's more of an accent color so I might have like I'm considering cobalt blue dining chairs because yeah. it actually all hangs around this fabulous wallpaper that has got all the colours in. So I, I suppose for any maximalists out there, first up, of course, you can have a fabulous wallpaper in your kitchen. I think I've already done that 100 times over. But I use that as my palette. And this wallpaper has got the yellow, it's got the pink, it's got the red, and it's got the blue, and it's got the green. And it's kind of got kind of like an aquary blue as well. So it's got a lovely palette of colours. And I'm using that throughout my kitchen. So yes, the cabinets are this sort of like chalky pink and deep red and yellow colour. But then I'm going to accent, I've got open shelves, so there's going to be some pots and vases and artwork on the walls that will pull in all the other colours. So you can sort of spin it out, spin your colour scheme out from there, which is, you know, completely on brand for me, of course, is Anenke as well. Because, you know, you can, as a maximist, you can never have too much colour or too much pattern. I've gone for a really veiny, really veiny striking marble next to the wallpaper, next to the colour. Cool. Yeah, I just, basically, Kate, I've applied my own maximist rules that I would put to any room in my home to the kitchen. And I would urge everybody else to do the same. Don't think you have to play it safe. And as Magnet are indicating... More and more customers are wanting bold statement, colourful kitchens. So don't worry about the resale of your home. And as you've said, Kate, the chances are they're going to rip it out and do their own thing anyway. Well, and also, you know, the other point to make is that if you have wooden doors, which I think are, you know, lots of people do now, you can repaint them. So you may you may have to keep the, the basics the same. You may not want to change the worktop, but you can repaint cupboard doors now if they're wooden. I think you could probably paint them if they're not wooden. So you're not you're not completely tied in in the way that you were a few years ago and that that was your 
you know, your kitchen forever. You can now change just the doors or you can paint the doors. So it's not, you know, leaving expense aside. You're not tied into a lifetime's decision on the colour now. Yeah, exactly. Okay, phew. Well, that was a lot. Do make sure you bookmark this episode if you are ever planning your own kitchen renovation because while trends and styles may change, the fundamentals of planning that room remain the same. So this advice just won't date. Now, as kitchen design is such a big topic, I thought I would enlist the help of my own kitchen designer. We have a special interview lined up for our Great Indoors Podcast Insiders only. So if you want to subscribe to hear Jen's thoughts and insights, honestly, she's amazing. She's going to share not just colour trends, but what you can do about storage, metallic finishes, what are the must-have things in kitchens right now, what are the trends. I'm going to mine her for all her amazing insights, but you can only hear that bonus episode if you subscribe to the greatindoorspodcast.com and become one of our great indoors insiders. I can't wait for that. And meanwhile, make sure you tune in next week as it's our monthly style surgery episode don't forget you can send any of your style questions trend related or otherwise to our monthly style surgery we want to hear from you and we do love a voice note but email is fine too email us on insiders at thegreatindoors.com and before we go we would just like to take this moment to thank our great indoors insiders for supporting the podcast you are a huge reason why kate and i are able to keep this weekly podcast going so we hugely appreciate you your support means a lot thank you but for now a big thank you to our producer sarah cudden of feast collective and thanks so much to you for listening and we'll see you in the great indoors